0: Oh, it's a Tuesday morning, and that means discussing the body breakdown of Saquon Barkley and expectations for the season ahead. Maybe there is a difference between a voice of support, depending on which voice that is, as well as the safety position, continuing expectations for Julian Love, and if a position change for another deep roster player could impact the decisions of this offseason. It's all coming up right after the theme music. Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, also covering that sweet, sweet offseason for the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Nori over there, the season generational ticket holder, healthy, wealthy, and wise, Mr. Andrew Mack.
1: I mean, Adam, we're, we're in the dog days of summer for football. You know, basketball's past the draft and everything. But uh, you working with the Nets, it seems like uh, there's a couple characters over there that give you a lot of. Uh, Offseason fodder to work with, huh?
0: Not sure what you're referring to. Um, it's been pretty quiet on the front. I will I will say, obviously, Kyrie Irving, um, and all the news that's gone on there, what's gonna happen for them. We always talk about how like NFL, right? It's 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 the it's the sport that never stops, there's never downtime. The NBA we talk they about it out, yeah. They they know how to dominate a news cycle, and they've done it around the draft. Like the draft itself doesn't have as much hype as the NFL draft but everything going on around the draft, like the the vehicle that is the NBA draft to have stories and narratives and everything else, it is a full go, and uh, it certainly is interesting to have the Brooklyn Nets be a big part of that, especially considering they didn't have any draft picks. Anyway, bottom line is, we'll see how that fleshes itself out. I'm sure it's all going to be fine. But as we said at the top, there's a more positional talk that we can get into on the back end of this defense under Wink Martindale, the secondary Julian love a position change for Jaron Williams, what that's going to mean. T that we try to read as Andy and I continue to maybe be on the wrong side of history. We're not sure yet TBD on that, but first yesterday, Andy, we briefly mentioned uh Saquon Barkley as we're affectionately referring to body by Barkley. He's going to have a whole series of VHS tapes for you at home. If you're looking to get your workouts in, we we have a little bit of an extra visual here if you're over on youtube uh following us we didn't get to share these yesterday i i don't know what to make out of the current set of circumstances i know you want to go a layer deeper on what potentially could happen for saquon this upcoming season but i don't know where where do we stand on what i feel like is the promotional vehicle of Saquon Barkley's career.
1: I mean, uh, for, for the people that are watching uh, on YouTube, you, you, the, the pictures of Saquon Barkley, he is a chiseled specimen. Like everyone talks about how he's Saquad and he's got the huge quads. But he's actually, he, I mean, if he had 2% body fat, it's probably 2% too much based
0: on the photo that that, that he put so, out on his Instagram, Adam. Time in, by the way, uh, he also has Brooklyn. So, uh, uh, you know, a little cross promotion there. And I don't know if the placement of the lettering is exactly where you want that to be. We can leave that there. But, it, you know, fashion. Always he, a personal hobby for me.
1: These photos, though, like obviously, it, it's for it's for the gram. Like we know why he is doing it's on it on the gram, baby. But but I mean, the fact that he's shirtless and he's wearing shorts and he's got a helmet on, but nothing in between, is always a funny look to me, Adam. Because there's no like, <laughs> it, it's either like pads or no pads. But like he's going even further than that with like no shirt on. It's like, how does that even? Like, how do you even get to that point? I don't well, even understand.
0: That, that's like that that's the version of oh my god, I had the worst nightmare last night. I showed up for an NFL game in nothing but my shorts and a helmet. And they said, Get out there, we need you. It's third and short. And I had to run out there with no pads or anything else. I guess that is true. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, like, like think that.
1: about think about NBA players. Like you're playing pickup in, in Rucker Park or something like, Yeah, you have shirts for skins. It makes sense. Like Saquon wearing a helmet, but nothing else is always just a funny look to me when NFL players do that. Because it's like, either go full pads or, or not, it seems like he's dancing around in the middle. But man, Adam, I mean, those those, those photos get Giant fans hyped up. Because obviously he looks like he's in the best shape of his life, but also the media is now coming out and starting to pick up a little bit of steam on the Saquon
0: train as well. You better believe it. So, we're talking about expectations. We mentioned this before. Where do we think Saquon's going to be? Is he going to be full, healthy, full go? How is he going to get himself back on track and make a case for being a part of the long term future for the Giants, or as at least I've said, make a case for being a great trade candidate potentially this season. The reason why we say that the media is getting behind it uh, and questionably, if you want this part of the media to be behind you, uh, you, have, you have Robert Griffin, the third RG three as he's more affectionately known. He comes out and uh, much like a lot of people are saying how Saquon looks. Saquon Barkley is one of the most exciting players in the world with the, with the football, when fully healthy back-to-back injury filled seasons have made people forget, but Saquon, is on a mission to remind everyone the return of the real Saquad is a boost. The giants offense needs. Um, just on its surface. I agree, right? We agree. Yeah. That's a boost that the New York football giants offense could certainly use. I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't know if RG three is the spokesman that you want for returning from injuries and meeting expectations from where you once were in your career to where you currently stand. Unfortunately, RG three is a guy that had nothing but a history and track record of injuries, failing to meet expectations and ultimately finding himself at a relatively young NFL age being on the other side in the media.
1: Yeah, it's it is bizarre. It's it's, you know, Robert Griffin, the has come out as a great NFL analyst. He's yeah. like wanted by I, yeah, a lot of people. Him. He's very insightful. He clearly understands the game very, very well. You know, he I think he ran like a fourth. Three five forty recently, and NFL teams actually call them and be like, "Hey, are you still interested in coming back?" And he's like, "No, I like having my knee attached. Like that is it feels good to be able to walk around." Right? I
0: run fast this way. I don't do a lot of the other things associated with NFL football. Right? For him,
1: it's like, why would I even get involved? But to your point, like the messenger is interesting, but the fact that he is very insightful about. NFL players and what he thinks is going to happen. Listen, he's getting a vote of confidence from a a former pro bowler as, as you know, as Robert Griffin, the third was look, I think he's also a little bit stretching the truth slightly. Like the 2020 season for Saquon Barkley, he played two games. He got hurt after 19 carries last season. He was injured, but he, but he participated like he played, in 13 games last year. It wasn't like he didn't play in any games. And yes, he had the unfortunate ankle twist um, in Dallas that kind of zapped him uh, of the middle ground. But yeah, Adam, I mean, 1.8 yards per carry in 2020, albeit in only two games, 3.7 last season. I know that you have tempered your personal expectations on Saquon Barkley, but mm-hmm. I mean, what what are your initial reactions to where he is, what
0: the height that he's getting, and where he can be? I just... Uh, th- 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley is done being a productive NFL player by any stretch of the imagination, but historically, almost every single time that you see hype videos or images, you mentioned this yesterday, like Carmelo, Anthony, whatever, anytime that players are hyping, how they are physically looking is usually the precursor to having a very disappointing season. Like now, now, Typically, they're older players. They're guys that are maybe, you know, coming off of a couple of contracts. They're wide receivers that are going to be 31. Remember Terrell Owens in his driveway, right, flexing and, and, you know, and doing crunches, and that was a little bit before things kind of fell off the map for him, but this is usually not a positive. This is usually something that goes on, And, and, and Saquon's not doing it, to your point. It's Instagram. That's what social media is. You're posting up sexy photos, like I said. Stay tuned for the OGP calendar. Ooh, but, Adam going with,
1: going with sexy on the <laughs> Saquon photos? Look at you.
0: I'm sorry. I'm gonna yeah, get listen. I'm an American male living in America. I am comfortable with myself. That is as good as a, a, a name. A better looking guy out there in the world, helmet or not. Um, but 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 it's just I don't know what what can you put into this. It's like you said, it's a helmet wearing shirtless short photo running around, you know, in warmups. Like it doesn't mean anything from a football standpoint. This means absolutely nothing to where the expectations are and the results that you're going to see. And and as you said, I know that there was the injury component last year and it doesn't, I don't know if that is the peak version of him and everything else, the offensive line, et cetera. We all know what it is. The offensive coordinators, all that good stuff. But he. He has been trending from a sample size away from his most productive times in the NFL.
1: Yes, he has, and and it could be injuries. It could be the poorest play of the offensive line. It could be the Giants were always trailing. So, like, how many yards can he get running the ball because they need to change the game plan? There's a there's a lot of factors in this, and that's why it's it's not a a binary thing where it's like either he's good or he's not. Like the the, the real question, Adam, is what can he get back to be? And the the question that I have for you is what is success look like for Saquon Barkley this season? We'll, We'll go into projections as we get closer to training camp, but like give me a benchmark number where you say this many rushing yards would be a successful season for Saquon Barkley.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because even if you go back and look at last year, right? So 13 games, so it could have had another four mixed in there, obviously. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're almost another quarter of a season, right? I mean, weird 17 games now, but there's 25% more. Of sample sizes, of receptions, of rushes, etc. He he ran for 600 yards, so 3.7 per carry. That's not good enough. And you can you can easily assume one to one. The offensive line is better, and that gets a half a yard better at a minimum, and you're closer to his 2019 form, four and four point six yards per carry. Um, you know, do I think that when I look at yardage wise, had 162 rushes? Like I don't think go back to 2019. I'm doing this in real time. 217 carries, like. And that was in 13 games. I don't think you want to see him much over 200 carries for the entire year coming into this one. So 2019, 217 carries in a thousand yards, like something getting close to that range. If he's, if he's plus 800 yards, 800 or better in the rushing game. And again, it's not about if I think he'd be productive or not, but just saying, let's keep him healthy. Let's use him differently than we have before. Probably something in that range. 800 plus rushing yards is more than enough. Uh, for me at least depending on how he's being utilized the the bigger one for me is going to be targets because even last year finally you saw the spike back up to 57 targets uh, 41 receptions there i want to see that volume increase i think that that needs to be far closer to 121 like his rookie campaign he needs to be utilized as a receiver and i would expect the 721 going back to his rookie year on 70 or 91 catches excuse me that number should be significantly higher like i i would anticipate him being like I got, you know, it sounds so interesting to frame it this way. It's like a, a, a 1600 all purpose, like 1600 to 1800, what, what, you know? And and that's, and that's going to put him in the upper echelon. I think that his skill set, if he's healthy, you can talk about him being a guy that's pushing towards a thousand yards, rushing and receiving in each category. Well, you so you you changed your tune as you walked through that
1: pretty pretty quickly Adam because you at the beginning you started out being like where where can we go with this and then you were talking about 1,700 total, total yards for, well, again, 800 800
0: and 800. If he goes 800 and 800, you know, or if he goes 900 and 700, that's 1,600 yards right there. Right. So again, if healthy, do I think Saquon Barkley is capable of, of getting back towards being a thousand yard rusher? Of course I do. My, my contention has always been, which I'll reiterate. I've never said that Saquon Barkley wasn't still talented or capable of being one of the best running backs in the league. It's about where the franchise is and why they should be getting value. Well, so a couple things here. You talked
1: about All the back. receiving yards. When we talk about receiving yards by a running back in 2021, the league leader, how many rushing yards do you think the league le- uh receiving yards that the, did the league leader have in 2021? Uh, 850. 647 by ah, Austin Eckler with 548 by Cordell Patterson. No one else had more than 500 except those two guys. So, like, out of of the backfield, only those two guys had more than 500. So, you know, to say that Saquon's going to have 700 means he's got to stay healthy, and he's going to have more receiving
0: yards than every other running back in the league. Yeah, I mean, listen, go back to, again, the rookie campaign tells you 1,300 rushing yards, 721 receiving yards. So what I'm saying is use him less as a running back. You're not going to go towards 1,300, 1,400 yards rushing and move those numbers over to the receiving game. Yeah, like, again, I think that that's what... Like, if I am the New York Giants, I'm looking at Saquon Barkley as a home run hitter in the run game, but I probably... Like... I don't know. Is it is it nuts to say rep split? I, I'd rather see him 60-40 on the side of receiving opportunities than rushing because you're talking about the health. You're talking about the physical breakdown of being a running back. And then you're also, again, I think that when the scenarios offer themselves, you want to selectively pick as Mike Kafka, how do I... Use him in the run game and hit a home run for 45 yards, right? And then get him right back into those reps, coming out of the backfield, catching the pass, lining up on the outside, creating these mismatches to say nothing of what the reconstruction of this roster looks like and how versatile some of the other weapons are going to be too, which I think are going to collectively eat into how we think about the running back position on this team and how many reps get spread where. Yeah, and well, the the thing that's tough, Adam, and I agree with you
1: that we want to see him get the ball out in space more, and receiving yards make sense. What I will say is, eight hundred rushing yards would put him twentieth in the league uh, last year, next to AJ Dillon, who backed up, uh, you, you know, right. who who is who is a second stringer in, in in Green Bay behind Aaron Jones. It's like if you think about. We talk about Saquon Barkley being a first-round draft pick. We talk about him being in a prove-it year for the Giants. We're, we're at a fork in the road with Saquon Barkley. If he's going to be the twenty-first rusher in the league and only has four hundred, you know, receiving yards, which puts him like ninth or, or, or something like that in the league, we're talking about a guy that's like fifteenth in in
0: all-purpose yeah. yards from from the backfield. Like, where, where that, does where does a thousand yard? Where would a thousand yards put him? Thousand yards rushing. Yeah, where would that put him in in last year? So seven
1: players rushed for over 1,000 yards last year.
0: So, there, but you know, and, and, and the reason why I say it is because 800 yeah. to 1,000, right? 200 yards over 17 games. It ends up being like, hey, can you give us another 25 yards per game? Which is not ins- But That's, but, that's you know, the difference between a pro bowler and just a guy, right? Like that's the 100%. big difference. Yeah, 100%. When,
1: when you look at 800 yards, you get into guys that you're like, oh, I guess like Devin Singletary, Sony Michelle, A.J. Dillon or all guys that had anywhere between 875 and 800 yards. Then you get into like. James Robinson, who got hurt halfway through the year. Like, to get up by, by there... The way,
0: by the way, is Saquon Barkley going to be... We're we talking about Saquon is going to play all 17 games? Like, that's a, that's a big presumption here, too. Like, if I'm putting it all into context, again, like, I don't think that they're going to walk Saquon Barkley out and go, you know what we'd like to do is run you 20 times a game for 17 weeks. Like, it's just not going to happen. And we talked about this early in the summer. I think, how many touches is Saquon getting over the course of a game? I think somewhere in the... 13 to you know 13 to 18 range right combined total touches and you're going to say how are we splitting those up again if it's 50 50 like he may only see 12 or 13 carries a game and you're going to you're looking for the home run hit like I think go back to the way we always talk about this organization has done everything wrong the last handful of years including using saquon barkley in the worst possible way this is a dynamic playmaker who wants to make people miss who wants to use all of those fancy footwork moves that he has so your goal is not to say by volume this is a big mistake that they've made over these past couple of years and he's gotten injured from that is well what we're going to do is give him the ball 20 times out of the backfield and say if we can hit a home run three times then it was worth it no have a better scheme create better opportunities and say, we used them 10 times, 12 times out of the backfield. But we said that eight of those swings were for home run hits. And then if you capitalize on a handful of those, that's how you make this a better offense. It's how you better utilize Saquon Barkley and keep him fresher, which by the way, then as this season progresses, potentially you get to start to say, and now we dial up more Saquon, right? Because we're keeping him fresher for the first eight to 11 weeks of the season. And then hopefully being in the playoff picture.
1: I think we can both agree, and this is the simple way to think about it. We want to utilize uh, Saquon Barkley more like Elijah Mitchell, the way that San Francisco did. He had 207 rush attempts for 963 yards. So on 200 rush attempts, he got to almost 1,000, which is your vision on how you want to do it, as opposed to the Pittsburgh Steelers using Najee Harris For three hundred and seven rushes for twelve hundred yards, like that is not what we are hoping Saquon could be. We don't want to put three hundred plus carries on Saquon's back, no, because because that's just going to wear him down, and you're moving
0: him away from what makes him great. And by the way, he's never run. He's never rushed 300 times in his career. 261 right. in his rookie campaign. That was it. Like that was the. You talk about uh, touches, and it, you, you include targets if if you want to. He had 261 rushes, and then with 121 targets, right? So you're talking about 382 total opportunities. You know, it doesn't matter about the receptions. The ball was thrown to him, so he's running those routes. That's sub 400. He's never gone over that. He was sub 300 when you talk about the following year in 2019. And we know that things fell off the map. I, again, that's where I think the, the the money number lies. 200 rushing attempts, try to be closer to 100 targets than, than 80. And, and live with, the, not live with, but like be excited about what those results can be. I think he can be a dynamic playmaker. And you talk about average yards per reception or average yards per carry. I want to see him back towards that five-yard per carry average. And in the receiving game, I want him actually in year number two where he caught far less balls but had an 8.4 yards per reception. Like That's what this guy needs to be if he's going to be valuable for this team over the course of this season. Yep.
1: Last last thing I'll say, Adam. Cool. The simple math is you want 200 carries. If Saquon Barkley has a 4.5 yards per carry at 200, that gives him 900 rushing yards. I think you and me are both in agreement that you would, if if that's what the stats come out at, you would check that box and you'd be very happy with how they utilized them.
0: Yeah. Healthy and give me those numbers. Thanks so much. And let's see how the how the season in the back end of it plays itself out. In other, maybe less sexy news the uh new uh, york football by your tongue adam we all don't <laughs> agree always... that the defensive side of the ball it's is always... less sexy okay it's, it's all sexy news when you're talking new york football giants um the question becomes safety in volume because first of all there was a sports uh, uh a uh, sports illustrated article that leads into this conversation where uh essentially julian love poised for his most significant role to date as a New York football giant. Everyone knows you and I have just been on a weird side of this. We we wasn't it wasn't done for any other reason than thinking we were organically observing the circumstances and yet people in the media and the fan base seem to be locked into this idea that Julian Love is going to be the key third cog inside of, or arguably a lot of people are saying the second cog inside of the secondary and the safety room with Xavier McKinney and Belton and whoever else may come along here. Um, but with a position change on this roster and an opportunity for a young player, I don't know. Does, does it cloud or make it more clear expectations here when we talk about Jaron Williams moving from, from the cornerback room into the safety?
1: Yeah. So the most recent news is, you know, coming into camp and everything else, Jaron, Jaron Williams played last year. He played six games at cornerback played well, actually, Adam, he had a uh, pro football focus grade of 71.1 when he was out there, which, you know, for context, Isaac Getum had a couple of 39s when he was here a year or two ago. So like, you know, 71 is, is definitely at least rotational, you know, cornerback level play. And so Jaron Williams came into camp thinking that he was going to be fighting for that cornerback spot. Knowing that James Bradbury is no longer with the team, he thought maybe I'll be moving up the chart. And Wink Martindale mm-hmm. and team have asked him to move to the safety position. And he, you know, they asked him, Do you think this is a slight? Like, do you feel disrespected? And he's like, No, if the coaching staff thinks I can make an impact and get on the field in a better position or a better situation at safety, I'm all for it. And and so he has a great mentality. You know, he's an undrafted guy coming out of the University of Albany. Clearly, he had like he, he's just like, I want to be on this team. I want to make my presence felt wherever I can. But I think the the whole idea behind him switching, and this is you and I were we're talking about this before is they have Xavier McKinney, who we know is locked in hundred percent stone cold starter at safety for the giants, potential pro bowler, potential all pro in both of our, our opinions is, is the type of talent he has. And then you have Julian love who is, you know, has, has bounced around from cornerback to nickel cornerback to safety, you know, Jack of all trades for the team. You have, Fourth round pick, Dane Belton, which the team obviously went up and got for a reason. And then you mm-hmm. have the undrafted free agent that they paid some significant guarantees in use of Corker to come in and play. I find it fascinating that Jaron Williams is moving over to the safety position, knowing that on the roster, they're probably only going to carry four safeties and then usually maybe have some guys on the practice squad. And so for me, this kind of screams either Julian Love is poised to have his be- greatest season At other positions, maybe moving up to linebacker, maybe covering in the cornerback position, kind of like shadowing all over the place. Or they're looking at Yusuf Corker and saying, he's probably going to be a guy we're hoping to stash on our practice squad. Because they already, I mean, they'll have six people, essentially four or five, six people for those four safety positions. I I don't know, Which, which way do you go on this, Adam? Do you think it says anything about how they feel about Julian Love?
0: Um, well, yeah, and just to give a little extra context to Jaron Williams, uh, you know, at that 510, buck 87. So the measurables are there to be able to play in different spots in the secondary. 17 targets, uh, last season, eight receptions allowed. So when when targeted, he held up to your point in terms of in coverage there, 14 solo tackles to go along with it. Um, I, I, when it comes to Jaron Williams, I think you can look at it one of two ways. They view his skill set and think there's a better opportunity or better utilization if we put him at the safety role. Or you could say you're not going to make the cut at cornerback, we're giving you every opportunity, but you're as close to the fringe of this roster as you possibly could be. Like everything that Jaron Williams is saying in that move, though, as you say about Yusuf Corker and saying that he's destined for the practice squad, I don't think that that's the case. And again, I'll go back to the premise Julian Love was taken 108 overall, like, and that doesn't mean when he was first drafted, I was excited about him. We've said this before, and then year by year. He was constantly moved from a particular role inside of the scheme to a different one and to a different one, consistently trying to find where his value was going to be. And do I think that he can be a valuable depth piece at a number? you said, shadow a number of different spots? Sure. But what I think this is setting up for is to say, hey, training camp will be start at the end of July. And if Yusuf Corker shows up, like we're already on Dane Belton. We're, like I, 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 refuse, I refuse to accept or acknowledge anyone saying, That Julian Love is more deserving or in a better position or has a better skill set to be the second starting safety with Xavier McKinney over Dane Belton. And I think training camp is going to prove that out. Once that box gets checked, then I think the next one is is if Yusuf Corker can show that he is capable of being this rotational piece for the Giants, then it's still... I'll take it on the chin if it doesn't come to pass. It still puts Julian Love in the position to be one of the cut candidates for this roster over the course of training camp. We know about the money, and we also know about the room. I think that everyone will most likely be on this roster, but I still do not think that Julian Love is earmarked for this substantial role that the fan base and a lot of people in the media seem to be poised to set him up for. Adam. Let's
1: take it a step further. All and right. and we, we didn't even talk about this beforehand. I don't know why we're the only two people that are like, we, we put ourselves on an island that is, not, we're probably going to look very foolish later on when Julian Love comes out and is like the defensive player of the year, candidate. But <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, what I'm thinking about this move in particular is you have Xavier McKinney who's locked into that spot. Outside of Julian Love, you have Dane Belton and Yusuf Corker who are both rookies. Jaren yes, Williams yes. played two games in 2020 he played six games last season. If you were not to have Julian Love in the safety room at all, like whether it's he moving to the linebacker position or he's at nickel corner or whatever he's going to be, or he gets outright released, you have to have someone other than Xavier McKinney that has official NFL experience. And That's so, Henry Black, my friend. Well, that that is... That
0: uh, is uh, <laughs> Um, throw that into the bag, too. Like, they went out and got Henry Black. I'm not saying that he, Hey, watch out, Pro Bowl or Henry Black, but he has NFL experience at the position and at a cheaper price point.
1: Well, and, and exactly. So the whole idea behind this, Adam, is that they're trying to say, if Julian Love isn't there, we need someone that has experience because we can't have just, just rookies. So are they saying, Jaron Williams, Henry Black, you have an opportunity to showcase things here? I don't know. I read the tea leaves on this, and I say, if Julian Love was locked into place, and Xavier McKinney was there, and you have Belton, and you have Yusuf Corker, you kind of have the four with Henry Black challenging them. Do you really need to bring the competition in with Jaron Williams? This to me screams that they're really rethinking and retooling how they look at the back end of their secondary.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I don't. I, that, that's my point. And it, it, Wherever you put these guys in the hierarchy, and that's my point, if I stand here right now today, it's, we all know, Xavier McKinney's the stud, Dane Belton is the rookie on the fast track, and Julian Love is an NFL-experienced secondary player who can be there to contribute and obviously is going to come on and be used. And, and this is the funny thing, too, because you can go into this season and say, well, Julian Love ends up playing what? of the reps and has a very nice, I think that Julian love can have a very nice season. It depends on how he gets utilized or how he gets, how often he gets put out there. And that's, I think as much a part of this too, maybe you talk about Henry black, we talk about Yusuf Corker and maybe now Jaron Williams. I do think the other thing is you say back end of the safety group, but also remember skill sets, right? So when we get to training camp, who is best suited to do the things that wink Martindale wants them to do. It's why we're so excited about Dane Belton because he has both the the aggressive in-the-box mentality, and also the speed and coverage ability. So that makes him a very versatile weapon. Xavier McKinney, we think, is a versatile weapon in different, you know, in different fashions, certainly, than Dane Belton. But that means you can mix and mash where you want to utilize them and create different looks for defenses. The big reason why, and I don't put anybody else ahead of Julian Love necessarily because I haven't seen the sample size even in training camp, although I do think Yusuf Corker is in that vein, Julian Love is not a guy that I say, hey, we're getting versatile here quick. They come up to the line, the QB makes an adjustment. Pick up that wide receiver, Julian Love. I've already seen the sample size that suggests he's going to struggle significantly in that role. And from that standpoint, it just it just to me speaks to, it doesn't mean you can't have a role, but you cannot have the significant role that people want to project him for because I don't think that he has the ability to do it. I, I don't think that he can pick up an outside an outside wide receiver if the job called for it without it being, let's go back to that well again because Julian Love doesn't have the speed to stay downfield with that player, right? He doesn't have the hip quickness to shift inside and catch a guy going across the field on a, quick, on a quick slant, right? Those are the areas that I think he starts to get exposed in over the course of training camp or maybe the course of the season. So you earmark whatever time you want it to be. There's going to be this shift where it goes from Julian Love, wherever you think he is, to Dane Belton. And I, I ultimately believe that Yusuf Corker over the course of this season is going to start to emerge as one of those versatile contributors.
1: Adam, I love it. And Thank guess you. what? At the end of the day, my friend, the while while the wide receiver competition might be the sexy piece of it that you were talking about before, because sex sells, right? In this day and age, I really do think that the secondary, especially at the safety position, is something that we need to really focus on in training camp because decisions yes. are going to be made in that group more than any other group on this roster.
0: Yeah. And you know, you're right. Because remember, even though we think more work could be done on the outside of the cornerback position. We don't have the ability to go get that guy, right? Right. So to your point, the impact of what this defense is doing on the back end out of the safety position is going to dictate, I think, how successful, how dynamic, and how impactful this team can be on that side of the ball when we get towards the, uh, the start of the regular season. So that being the case, What a a juicy episode that was. Two topics and 30 minutes of fun. You can follow us over on YouTube, obviously. You get the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back again, breaking down different topics like this. Cannot wait to see how land based that I get around both my predictions for Saquon Barkley or expectations, my thoughts around Julian Love. I feel like I came in hot, and I'm probably going to come out a little bit battered and bruised, but that's what OGP is all about. Until next time, friends, as Andy Mackowitz would want, need, and nay, demand that people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.